0: Up-and-coming Irish cinematographer gets long-listed for the Oscars. Today I'm very excited to talk Jas Foley. Jas is one of Ireland's top up-and-coming cinematographers. Jas has made it in the extremely competitive marketplace in film and TV. Jas works for many of the top directors, many of the top brands and has filmed all around the world. He's built up a really great portfolio and client base over the last number of years. We met recently because we're both supporters of Mead Enterprise. But it turns out he did some freelance design work for me about 15 years ago, but we'd never met. Jas shares a lot of the secrets to success in the creative industry. I think he's great. Enjoy. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to The Southmaker Show. This is your host, Connor Lynch. Hi, Jas. How are you today? I'm not so bad. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Uh, it's really nice to talk to Jas. You've got a really, really great profile and did a lot of outstanding work. But turns out we actually bumped into each other online many years ago, which we only just kind of realized when we started chatting. Uh, turns out that you might have done some Bebo skins for me like quite a while ago. That's Uh, right. You remember remember that? (laughs)
1: Oh, yeah,
0: a lifetime ago. Lifetime. And did you do much uh freelancing on Bebo and around that time? Maybe what was uh, I? I I,
1: I was like 15 or 16 at the time. I was in school, I was doing all sorts of media stuff. Like, I started designing websites when I was seven. So Mm That's uh, that, that I think that's why my, my website, uh, the jasfoley.com do, domain, I've owned it for like 22 years, so it's number one on Google on longevity. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's that's
0: really really impressive. 22 years in the personal branding space is I, I'm i think I think I did my first personal brand website about 20 20 at 1999, so 21 years ago. So you beat me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well done. So uh fast forward so fast forward then after doing the, some of the uh, bebo skins etc you um you you did a lot of work into you know directed photography um, cinematographer um, you have uh, worked with, in film and television and advertising etc maybe tell us a bit more about what you're up to right now
1: Okay. Uh, well, right now the the whole year was in flux because of COVID, and that it was queued up to be a nice one where the film industry in Ireland is doing quite well at the minute. Uh, that I had two feature films and a TV series uh, lined up for this summer, and unfortunately with COVID, they hit the wall. So, I think one one the, the TV series and one of the feature films is pushed to next year, and one of the feature films was actually about a post-apocalyptic society after a pandemic in Ireland so that's just not happening it's just now there's, there's no market for that we've lived through it <laughs> uh, so at the minute um once uh back in June um when things started to open back up again uh the industry got back going and back on its feet and it's really been a run of advertising of both online and tv as well as music videos and documentaries so there has been kind of a pent up demand that has been yeah. unleashed um, in in the film and TV industry and also with companies uh, trying to get back on the feet, get back out there in the marketing and PR spaces.
0: Mm. So yeah, that was my, my main interest um, and my career has been in, in advertising and marketing and communication. So I look at the client list that you have worked for and it's like a blue chip, global brands, you've tremendous amount of experience. So tell me about maybe some of the projects that you've worked on maybe this year, last couple of years that you're most proud of and that kind of tell us about how it works.
1: Hmm. Yeah, sure. Well, look, at as a director of photography um, or cinematographer, both terms apply to what I do. And um, I work across because I work across film, television and advertising, I, I get to do such a range of things I, I do on one end of the of the scale. I do documentaries where, say, it's myself and the director and everything we need has to fit in two backpacks and we are dropped into Mozambique or dropped into the Indian Ocean and did a project there where a documentary on the Mozambican fishing industry, whereas myself and the director spent uh, three, four weeks in a lifeboat adrift in the Indian Ocean, which was not pleasant at all at the time. And I go from that extreme. I think I came back from that trip and a week later I was shooting a TV ad for Super Value where I can remember the the film camera on my shoulder and I'm just going to kneel down for this shot. And I just knelt down. And before my knee could hit the ground, an assistant had a little cushion under my knee. So (laughs) these are the two extremes at which I operate um and like that uh what's what's happened in the last last little while up to before covid we had yeah that series in mozambique um, had a feature film uh, violet gibson um which was about the irish woman who shot mussolini that premiered just before the lockdown
0: yeah
1: and it's just waiting for cinemas to get up and going um for its release and um, which is a fascinating story it was a period drama set between the 1920s 30s 40s 50s Um, which was fabulous to shoot that we shot across Italy uh, across uh, London uh, and the UK and Wales and then a lot in Ireland as well that Mm. it's just a fascinating story um, of the um, Irish woman who shot Mussolini in 1926 and what could have been Um, so that was fantastic to work on that and then in terms of uh ads, uh, I think on TV at the minute we have the chef campaign is out of the minute with Paul McGrath. and um, that was a, another f- a fun one and just finished campaign for standard life, uh, which should be yeah. out, I think, this week, as far as I know. You might see it, see it out and about. Great.
0: So, would you have a pr- preference of film and television or you know, commercial work? Do you like do you love them both?
1: Well, well, is the thing. I I couldn't choose. Well, I'm doing them all, so I I can still can't choose between which which one is one I'm going to prefer. The way I look at it, uh, the way I look at it is, um, when I'm working on say a documentary, or uh, or something that is on a smaller scale, it means that the amount of control I have is if I want to move the camera, I pick it up, and I move it, and I'm more free-flowing in terms of the creativity and what I can do and it's very reactive um which I love but then on the other end of the scale what you can achieve on a larger set if you have a crew of 100 people there and it's been planned to within an inch of its life in pre-production and you know what you're trying to achieve and the vision that you're for the director that you're trying to to create mm. um it's just amazing how you can move mountains to make something happen exactly the way it needs to happen so there really are two extremes to it and i I just i'll go with something bare bones for a while and i love it and then i'll maybe be tired of that and i'll go to something larger and i love the the scale of it but then get frustrated when it takes a team of four people to move the camera three feet over there So how do you pick up
0: work then? In it's obviously different, two different markets as such that people are, that hire you. How hmm. does that work? Like because you work solo. And hmm. um, so how do they? How does all that uh, that team building work?
1: Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a freelancer, and um, that I work with various production companies through ad agencies, through film production companies, and um, but the. Uh, A a, a director of photography, just to put into context what I do, um, on a set you'll have the producer, and they're the person that is financing, organizing, producing the final project. You have the director, and the director is the person who is the captain of the ship, Who and it's their vision that you're trying to achieve, and they lay down the vision of what you're trying to achieve. And as a director of photography, I'm the next step down, and I'm in charge of all the visuals. Everything that appears visually on the screen, it goes through me. So I'm working uh, kind of in partnership with the director um, where we are in trying to interpret what the director is trying to do and then I'm realizing how to actually implement it. So it works on kind of a scale where I work with some directors who will say uh, have everything planned within an inch of its life, where not only have they a storyboard, they have a shot list, and they will have built a model of the set that they're building, and they will walk me through, okay, the first shot is going to last three seconds. This camera is going to be exactly here. It's going to move from here to here. The lens is going to be a 32 millimeter, and that's that. Next shot, we're over here, and, it's, and, and that's wonderful. I'm implementing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then on the other end of the scale, I work with some directors who will approach a scene and say, well, the character is feeling sort of like this, but I want the audience to feel like that about them. What do you think? <laughs> and I'll have to go through the 10 different ways that you can represent that and work with them to figure out which is the right way for that yes. scenario. Yeah. So that's in, in, in the film. Uh, mm-hmm. I love that range. of of creativity, where on one end of the scale I am more implementing and on the other end of the scale it's more collaborative. Uh, When it comes to advertising, I'm really going down a rabbit hole here. (laughs) When it comes to advertising, it's a lot more prescribed, where the way that it happens is a client will go to an ad agency, they will come up with the concept, come up with the idea, come up with the campaign, and then they'll bring on a production company and a director to make it happen. And in those kind of cases, I'm really implementing, uh, very specific looks. Um, and again, it's a lot more formal in the way that we're achieving those, those goals. It's very goal based. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's what I do. I've lost track of what the question was, but that was yeah, just the background of what it is I do.
0: That's a really good answer. Um, and I suppose to follow on, so you probably then build good relationships with a few of these, uh, these, uh, key influencers and clients and uh, directors, etc. So would you then get asked, oh, I've got a new ad. Would you come and join me again? Because I know how you work and you almost have that understanding. Is that how it works?
1: Yeah, that, that, that's it. That it's kind of, a, um, first, for getting started in the industry, um, it is very much an apprenticeship, apprenticeship-based yeah. industry where you'll do your time as a trainee, as a second camera assistant, first camera assistant, then work your way up to operating and then to being a director of photography. And it's a very traditional route as such there. Um, and you could spend 10 years climbing that ladder. Um, and yeah. that is an industry where you have to put in your 10,000 hours
0: yeah.
1: or your 10 years yeah. in order to, to, because there's no prescribed route. There's no single way to become a director or a director of photography or mm. a producer. There's no right or wrong way to do it. Yeah. And it's a very frustrating thing. I, I lecture in Dundalk IT and it's very difficult to get across the students how difficult it is. And they ask, well, how do you get in, into the industry? And I'm like, I don't know. Things just happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so difficult. So um that it's very much a relationship-based industry where the people that I started out with when I was like in in college um are those people some of them progressed along and you stay in touch and you collaborate yeah. when you're starting out and you're experimenting and trying new things yeah and you're continually trying to step up and improve yourself mm. and, yeah. and, and can just step up and you really have to nurture those relationships um yeah. and it is a case where you won't get hired to work on something unless you've done that type of thing before yes so it's a chicken and egg how do you how do you do the thing yeah if they if you haven't done it before and that's that's the the kind of industry that it is. Uh, so in terms of the relationships it's on the film side of things it's very much where you have to develop the skill set first and foremost you need to develop that skill set and master the technical aspects and keeping in mind that you will never master the technical aspects there's no end goal there's no point where you get and you go that's it i know everything there is to know yeah. you don't get there so <laughs> you're continually trying to improve your skill set and then it comes to a point where you get a reputation that you've created a work at a certain scale and at that point the technical goes out the window and it's more yeah. about the relationship yeah where mm. people if you're going to say be working on a film for nine months with somebody you want to get on with them yeah you know you want to know that it's going to be a nice experience yeah and and that's as important as anything else but you have to have the technical knowledge in place and then it comes down to um it comes down to your relationships uh, mm. and in, in terms of how that happens it is for film it's going to film festivals it's going to industry events it's going to premieres it's going to different meetups mm. it's being part of say i'm a member of the irish uh, film and television academy yeah. and it's going to those kind of events and it's yeah, and you can put time in and get no results or you can put time in with somebody you met three years ago and three years later you might get a call and they'll say oh we're putting in for funding we got it i'll put mm. your name down for it if you don't mind yeah and that's how it can happen
0: so do you get um, inquiries to this website? Do, do
1: is, it, does, uh, is there
0: inbound inquiries or do you have to get out hustling for, for for
1: business? Well, this is the thing. Again, anyone who is working for themselves or someone working in a creative industry knows that there's no way to just set up, okay, I've put out a, a newspaper ad and a radio ad and I will sit back and wait for the work to come in. Doesn't work like that so you have to have so many different prongs of attack so many uh hooks in the water i'm running out of of saying <laughs> you know. uh but you have to have so many avenues open where i am going to and it is a hustle i have i'm going to uh, to film festivals i'm going meeting people i'm i'm emailing people and not asking for work I want to go and get to know someone. I want to go out and get a coffee with them. I want to go and meet up and have a chat about the industry, talk shop.
0: Yeah.
1: And you it's something that you can't force yeah. when you're going that way. And that's kind of a, yeah. a direct thing that you're always kind of percolating over. Then of my social media presence where I'm showing behind the scenes of the jobs yeah. that I'm working on. And that's a full-time thing, keeping that up and going. Yeah. Then I also have to maintain my website. And anytime I do a job. I need to be sure to get the link to it to update my website and which is frustrating because a film shoot in 2017 comes out in 2021. And suddenly that work is the latest project that's out, but I shot it four years ago and I'm like, Oh, I'm so much better now than I was then. (laughs) And there's that little bit of frustration, but you have to keep the website up and actually, a big thing for me in terms of international work that I get in, it comes through my website and that's through really carefully, uh, curating my SEO. And when you Google Irish director of photography, I'm on the first page
0: yeah great. and that's
1: through managing the seo and because my website is there for 22 years
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> in different guises but that domain is there and i would say that uh, a lot of work from america for american commercials that are yeah. shooting in ireland and for american films that are shooting in ireland i get through my website yeah uh, so it's about the image that i project is quite important yeah Um, in terms of the outward the people that will meet me and chat with me and yeah. make an impression and have a laugh and have a bit of crack yeah. and that's one thing but when when I have that chance of someone is literally a producer in New York is googling yeah Irish director photography they're on a deadline they have a shoot the first person they see that uh, they like is who's getting a call
0: yeah and then that's it grab them and hold on to and, them
1: and and that that is it and it is and it's such a fickle thing yeah um, but it gets me work yeah
0: that's great and and it's um so very very interesting then that you were in a, a doing websites so far back but you decided like to be developing websites as a as a kid and then not go into pure pure tech mm. it's quite interesting you went off it's but it's very useful to you to have those skills absolutely but, uh, when did you kind of decide okay well actually um i do like doing websites but i much prefer you know f- uh, filming
1: Hmm. Well, uh, again, it was a case where I went backwards into the film industry that I started in in photography when I was a kid and got into photography in my teenage years and got my first job at a photography agency when I was 17, when I was still in school. And like I spent my communion and confirmation money on my first professional camera uh, and I, I worked in that and that was working in sports photography. And from that, I went to college in DCU. And what I got from the college experience was uh, kind of the the people around me in the course, that network of friends, of people. Mm. And through college, I, I specialised in photography, but I still went to all the film lectures on the film mm. course. I went to all the radio lectures, learning the tech of that. I was just into every aspect of tech. Yeah, yeah and it was photography yeah. was my thing but then lighting was my thing and lighting was my main thing that kind of set me apart when i was in college and so when all my friends who were doing the film were doing their college projects they asked me to come in and do the lighting
0: yeah
1: and which i was very happy to do yeah. and as it happened i think for one of my friends thesis project was like a music video for some band and they asked me to come in and do the the lighting and they help with the lighting and some of the camera work and unbeknownst to me the lead singer in the band was a producer at rte and he asked me to come on board for a tv series in or- at rte straight out of college yeah and that was my leap into television and then from there into into film and into commercials
0: excellent so that was a um, that was a huge breakthrough um any other kind of big big breakthroughs that you remember uh, moving f- um yeah to those well, those 10
1: years well, I mean, that, that, that was the thing. It's when I look back at, I can trace yeah. exactly where I am now and just go backwards and see the different breaks that I got along the way and things that you wouldn't think much of
0: yeah,
1: and how it led on to so much more. Um, say, um, Oh God. So I can do a direct line from me being a lecturer back to that job straight out of college where mm. that 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 job the straight out into rt was a, a a music show called under ether and um, the co-producer on that asked me to uh, be a focus puller on a short film that was uh, being done by a, a brilliant uh cinematographer uh, mark macaulay and from that i met uh the behind the scenes video person and he asked me on to another another tv pilot and from there i met Mia uh, malarkey a brilliant director a lot of my camera assistants that i worked with for years after and that behind the scenes cameraman is now the head of film in dundalk it
0: yeah. and
1: he's asked me to come in all these years later I, 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 it's, it's amazing how yeah, i can pair yeah, back those things but the thing is the thing that i say to the students in dundalk is that you don't know which connection is the one that's going to lead on to more yeah. so you have to do them all
0: yeah, yeah like
1: when i when i was in college where why I, I can see it now looking back why i got that break and was asked to go on to a an Orty show straight out of college is because i hustled when i was in college i, I didn't realize it at the time that was just what i did yeah. so when i was in college i was i wasn't going out i was saving up my money and once a month, I would I was working in a theater, uh, like in the bar front of house in a the theater, and I'd save up my money. I would spend it on renting equipment once a month, get all my friends from college, and we'd go and do a photo shoot, and I'd pay for it all. And it was just a brilliant experience. Yeah. And that's what I did throughout college. And so I'd constantly be shooting. I'd constantly be the person that everyone wanted to collaborate with, and I wanted to collaborate with them. Yeah. And I didn't realize it at the time, it was just something because I wanted to do it because it was great crack. Yeah. Go and yeah. go and shoot. That, yes. that was it. <laughs> um, so that's what led on to every connection since then. And really? it's hard to say to it's hard for me to see students say who are, you know, I asked them, oh, are you in third year in film school? How many things have you shot? And they go, Oh, we've done two short films and a documentary and a music video. In three years what are you doing do you want to be doing this like do, why aren't you out shooting every weekend you have people in your class who want to write who want to direct who want to act who want to do camera who want to do lighting who want to do sound why aren't yeah. you collaborating every weekend shooting something um and it is uh i'm really getting off topic here but i'm gonna no, going to keep going it's something that i, I it was a, a cinematographer jeff boyle uh who was one of the biggest cinematographers in the world a great interview with him where he said students in college don't, no one tells them how difficult it is. And this goes for mm. every entrepreneur, every person starting a business. For kid, kids in college, nobody says the film industry is hard and how hard it is. Mm. And how the number of people who graduate from film school every year is the same number that works in the entire industry. So the industry is replicating itself every year. Mm. Where, where are the jobs? That if you're lucky two percent of graduates from film will get a job in the industry and the job that they get will be making tea and coffee and you'll be doing that uh, again a friend from yeah. college who i just saw last week he moved to canada two years ago decided clean break he wants to start in film never worked in film he and he just got uh, last week after two years he has done his 240 days as a trainee and that's not 230 days continuous 240 days over the course of two years as a trainee making teas and coffees gets him his union card to become a second assistant yeah my god that's commitment that's how that's what it takes yeah Um, and and nobody tells students that and i give them a bit of a kick up the backside now i'm going into them now in december (laughs) i do three weeks of a master class in cinematography and i you know, it fires some people, it makes some people you know despondent, but yeah. it fires up some. Yeah. And a- again, if there's people I know this is for people who are self-starters, yeah. they'll recognize that. Yeah.
0: Very good. So um you're also doing some work, which is where we bumped into each other with um with Mead Enterprise. So we're both from Mead, um and one from Kells, one from Oldcastle. No, no rivalry. And so you um what are you doing there? Because that's it's a, there's exciting plans in, in Mead Enterprise.
1: Yeah, that Gary Mara, the CEO of Mead Enterprise, had asked me to give him some advice and help out um, with the project that he was starting uh, in the Media Lab. So it's a place where he is putting together an infrastructure in terms of equipment and in terms of a place, a hub, for people who are maybe starting out their own business, Or want to step up their business in terms of how they are creating their social media content, their video content, Mm. um, and really the imagery that's representing their brand. So he's creating a space that has uh, a studio, as well as all the uh, video uh, camera equipment, sound equipment, lighting equipment, and editing based on high-end computers that people can, when it's set up, will be able to come in. Do a course, learn how to use this equipment, then be able to take it out, use it, and be able to benefit from the the, the kind of uh, step up mm. in your brand image that that can give you.
0: Yeah, so it's, uh, so you're training lots and lots of uh, up and coming um, uh, people in the industry, which is which is great. But you did talk before about you mentioned uh, visual psychology. Which is probably something that you talk about in your in your in your classes do you want to maybe explain a little bit what, what you mean by that
1: yeah absolutely so when i'm approaching any project whether it's particularly in film but also i'm gonna adjust my lighting here i'm getting a little bit bright There we are. <laughs> uh, in film but also in advertising is is how we approach things is from a psychological point of view so when I'm working with a director and deciding say on a film scene, we can construct everything in that frame. Everything you see on the screen and it's something that a lay person watching a film will not really fully appreciate that. Everything you see in a film on screen is constructed and is intentionally exactly the way it looks. That nothing is for chance. So as a director of photography, as a cinematographer, I'm in control of those visuals. So I can make an audience feel any emotion about a character visually. And I can make uh, the audience feel a certain way about that character. I can give you, I can tell you everything you need to know about the world around that character and how that character is perceived in their world by the choices I make in terms of my lighting, in terms of my uh, camera and lenses, in terms of production design. When you see someone on screen in a film and they're wearing a red jumper, do you think they turned up on set one day and they just happened to be wearing a red jumper uh, in a scene where everything else around them is green? That doesn't happen by chance. And we manipulate audiences massively uh, when we're making these films and when it's done well the audience won't notice but also you can hit an audience over the head with cinematography to ha- if that's the effect that you want to have and I really love that aspect of taking those kind of concepts and applying them in advertising yeah. so when I am uh, doing an ad say for super value and um, again you can look at my website and see uh, some of the ads I'm doing an ad for super value with say the happy pair and um, Every way that both the happy pair and the brand and every product that appears on screen, the decision is made in pre-production, in planning, how everything is to look, how it's to come across, what emotion the audience isn't supposed to feel about them. And I'm then implementing that visually to achieve that. So it's a really high concept thing or it mm. feels like a really high concept yeah. thing, but you can start to apply that your own brand and your own imagery so if you are a a brand say that is say something organic something kind of you know if you're a small producer of say foodstuffs um you could may perhaps want to present your brand as being honest to goodness as being natural as being untainted as being uh, artisanal and you can start to say when you're doing your social media content you don't want to be wearing bright red or uh, electric blue. You want to be wearing earthy tones. You want to be wearing flannels. You want to be uh, doing that in terms of uh, your when you're presenting yourself and doing a video. Where I am right now, this is not artisanal. This is not. This is all white in the background. Yeah. The light is really harsh on me. Yeah. This would not be very good for, say, yeah. someone who makes a small batch crisps or a small batch uh, food product. Yeah, and we we can see that looking at me right now very clearly. But when you are planning for even if it's something small as, say, your ongoing social media images and videos, you really have to think about that. You have Mm. to think about I'm in a very sterile environment here and say if you're on the on the floor of your factory, that's not the place to be pitching your artisanalness, you know, (laughs) Yes. So it's choices like that and that's what cinematography is you have to mm. realize that you have full control over how you're presenting your product mm. and it's in pre-production like it's, it might be as simple where you mightn't think it's a big thing for say your social your day-to-day social media posts but maybe have a sit down and have a think and plan okay how do we want our brand to be perceived and maybe put together a little brief for whoever is doing your social media. There mightn't be, it might be a brief, if there's say three Mm. of your partners in a business, you want to have all three of you singing off the same hymn sheet in terms of how you're presenting the company. So that's sitting down and putting together a little brief for yourselves in terms of how how should you, how might you be best dressed? Where is a good place to be doing your videos? Is it say again, I'm I'm down the, the agricultural route here is it better to be on a processing floor of a plant or is it better to be out in the field, meeting a farmer, meeting a supplier? And that might seem like a production thing, but that's a cinematography thing. That's choosing the visuals.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's those kind of takeaways from advertising where everything is really, really pre-prescribed to within an inch of its life. And you don't have to go to that extreme but you might put some more thought into yeah. how you're presenting it. And it does feed back into what emotion you're trying to portray to your audience and how you want your audience to perceive you.
0: Mm. So that's, um, so very, very interesting. Uh, and, um, looking back on some of your, how you might've implemented this, is there any kind of uh, highlights to your career, whether it's, um, whether it's uh, on film and television or, or, or advertising, anything that
1: you're kind of most proud of? Yeah, absolutely. That, I had to have my, my website open on my other screen. <laughs> um, but it, it's amazing how the simple things work. Like I really love those super value campaigns because mm. they are so simple in their execution. Yeah. But behind the scenes, but it, they seem so simple and organic and down to earth. But behind that, there's so much planning that goes into them from the director, from the ad agency, from the producer, Um, and yet it's a success, but nobody notices that, Um, which is wonderful. And a a particular success um, at the minute is a short film uh, we made uh, a couple of years back uh, called A White Horse, which we made with no money. That was a a really good friend of mine, Sean O'Connor, a director from Cork, who uh, the, the, the script it was just so powerful that there was no way we weren't making it. And we were gonna make it and that's it. And so uh, Sean got support from the Screen Directors Guild of Ireland and he paid for out of his own pocket for everyone's expenses and got it made. And that film is now long-listed for an Oscar for the 2021 Academy Awards. Wow! And I've done short films with really large budgets and they're wonderful and they're great, but they don't gain traction. And this was a case where the story was such an emotional story, such a powerful story, but it's something that addresses um, it, it, an issue that is pertinent to society. And it's amazing how, how far that can go. And that's really fulfilling for me. And that's why I say do documentaries. Yeah. And what stands out is the one I did uh, with Mia Malarkey, a fantastic director, uh, where we did about Taxi Watch, um, who were. In Kilkenny, there are a group of taxi drivers where one night, uh, the taxi driver over Christmas saw someone standing on a bridge about to jump mm. in the town of Kilkenny, uh, city of Kilkenny, and he talked the person down and got them to safety. He went back out on the road an hour later and another bridge in the bypass of, of the town saw another person about to jump and he talked them down and saved them. And it was just wonderful to follow that over the course filmed over the course of a year
0: mm. here and
1: there and um, but over the course of that time they saved 170 people wow and, and that's physically pulling from the river as well as giving uh support and getting them to where they need and that film uh, was just a short documentary that went around the world and because of the the impact that it had mm. now taxi watch that is set up uh they have trained hundreds of taxi drivers, and they have also trained the guardi around the country in how to deal in a first responder type situation to these kind of incidents. And that's something where it was a short film where the director, no money, no funding, just did it because there was that personal connection. It was yeah. such a powerful thing, and you can see really amazing results out of it. And. It's that when there's passion involved with a project, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's just incredible.
0: That's brilliant. So I think I've pretty much um, when we did encounter each other many years ago, I was doing the same. It was a passion project, it was selling t-shirts, it was a bit of design, it was a bit of exploring a very early stage social media. So I think there's a lot, there's a lot to be said for people exploring their passion and just, you know, getting out, making something, make it, uh, show it to friends and just try and build up that reputation as a maker and uh, and make things happen. But is there any any other uh, recommendations for you, for people in their career to go out on their own to kind of being their own business? Uh, because you've you obviously got all the skills and we've ran through you know, becoming an expert and all the hard slog and networking, et cetera. Is there any other kind of tips you maybe have for you, you as a business and how you, uh, keep, keep, uh, keep, you know, keep growing and stay in business for, for so many years? It's such a great achievement.
1: Mm, yeah, well, that, that's that's the thing. In terms of a, a business point of view, I'm a freelance person. I'm working on a day rate yeah. uh, and that's just it. So really, I need to do a certain amount of days, yeah. but you can't predict that. And it is kind of an industry that goes up and down. You'll have a, a feast and a famine. Um, so in term in terms of myself, I invested heavily in equipment um, several years ago, and that stepped me up in terms of how I'm perceived. And now like, the equipment made a lot more money in rental than I did in my day rates. Um, but now it's developed where that step up helped me step up in my career. But now I've moved on to the point where I don't rely on that, where I will rent whatever piece of equipment I need and it's more about the knowledge and the expertise I'm bringing to the job, that is what people want. So it, it is a case where there, there is no single route in. I, I know I had, just in terms of being a freelancer and being in a creative industry, the one person that really um was a big influence on me when I was starting out. And um, was Chase Jarvis. Uh, he's a commercial photographer uh, based in the states. And um, he started uh, a, a brilliant, uh, creative uh, re- online uh, resource. But he was one of the first commercial photographers, the first creatives that took a hold of YouTube, and mm. started to leverage and put out and, and kind of pull back the veil on the industry and have people on to his 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 youtube channel and just open open the door on what happens behind the scenes and something that he that one thing that he taught me well he taught me that i saw in one of his videos and i sound like a known personally um but one thing was if you have a, a client that comes to you and they say look we love your work really want to work with you we have 500 euro for this project i know that's a small amount But look, if we make it up in the next one, that is going to lead on to uh, so much more. And you do it. And then down the line, they have a €5,000 project. Are they going to go to the €500 guy? No, they're going to go to the €5,000 guy. And that was a harsh lesson to learn. And just on, on the business side, it was a big thing where you when you're starting out and you say are at an earlier stage in your career you're doing projects that you're you're mm. that it's in your interest to be doing them because you're growing you're learning mm. skills by doing these projects you're increasing your brand and there's a there is a point where you it's in your interest to be working and creating and getting your brand out there and to be seen to be working yeah. and to be seen to be successful but then there's that tipping point where you have gained the skills where you have your brand out there, where you are confident in what you're doing and the product that you're delivering. And it's very hard to upsell an older client into yeah. a higher end you.
0: Yeah.
1: And it is a case where I did have a point um, several years ago where I found I was spending like 80% of my time dealing with 10% of my clients. I had some clients that just took up all of my yeah. time i wasn't getting the return out of it and it came a point where i just have have, had to make a decision and say look it, really love working with you it's been absolutely fantastic but i'm just not able to take the project on these type of projects on anymore i can recommend you to this person this person this person they're going to really take care of you and wish you all the best with it and i have to step on up yeah and that's such a difficult thing because there's no set goal you don't get over yeah. a line and go okay that's yes. it i can stop doing the low-end projects i can only do the high-end projects there, there, there's no big klaxon that goes off and tells you that yeah and, and that's a difficult thing
0: and it's letting go of the, a comfort blanket and uh to to take that to take that yeah. jump but you obviously made the jump very very successfully um if other if people want to have a look at you and some of these uh exciting uh uh videos etc that you worked on where do they find out more about you
1: yeah so you can look at my website uh, it's jazzfoley.com jss i'm sure you'll have a link you're very well organized on <laughs> yeah, your, on your yeah, yeah. show um and the best place to follow me to keep up to date is my instagram and my handle is just at jazz
0: brilliant
1: well just um have any final thoughts? Anything you want to
0: add? It's been, we've talked about loads We've and it's a lot of detail. It's been fascinating, but anything you want to kind of uh, finish up with?
1: No, I'm good then. If you wanted to learn more about the, the film industry and kind of looking behind the curtain a little mm. bit, uh, look up some podcasts, maybe the Team Deacons podcast, yeah. um, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, and the Go Creative show. Uh, and those two podcasts are absolutely fabulous for gaining insight into the world of film
0: excellent we'll definitely check them out but um so thank you very much Jazz. it's been wonderful to to finally get to, to know you know uh, quite well after our uh, couple of uh, chance encounters over the years but thank you so much again for your time wish you all the best in uh, in all the projects with the uh, the oscars and i'm sure you'll have a uh, lot of success in the future thank you very much <laughs> thanks for having me thank you jess okay jess i i'm going to do um i'm going to do the intro again i think i didn't I wasn't as fluid as I could have been yeah yeah um so let me that was brilliant by the way that was great yeah. super super really really interesting so what did I say I said um hi this is could, could I say are one of Ireland's top uh, directed photography or cinematographers uh, you can say that I wouldn't <laughs> say that <about> myself
1: <laughs> but um, it wouldn't be wrong you're, no, you're up, and, up and coming well, I've been I've been doing this twelve years and I'm up and coming. The established <laughs> people are in it forty years, so I don't oh, at all. really, really, really. Um,
0: so I uh, da, 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 da. okay. Let me see. Um. Hi, Jess. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. We're looking forward to chatting to you um jess so i've been doing my research and uh in my humble opinion it looks like you're one of ireland's top director of photography or sin cineph- of no i meant to say up and coming
1: yeah <laughs> oh, oh, oh yeah you can make a joke out of it. you've been doing it 12 yeah. years and you're up and coming that's the way the industry is yeah okay hi jess how are you today great thanks
0: very much for having me on my pleasure. So I've done a bit of research. I'm very, very impressed with your profile. But you know, rather than me, um, telling you, no, that's not going to make sense because it won't tie in. Um, last go.
1: Okay. Hi, jazz How are you today? I'm great. Thanks very much for having me on. My pleasure.
0: So um, I've done my research, and I think you are would be, in my estimation, one of Ireland's um, best or most up and coming. Uh, cinematographers and directed photography and um, what do you think about um well that's rubbish what did i do earlier um what did i say at the I very start
1: one was all right earlier yeah
0: um, yeah i can't remember it though okay so that listen i think i'll have one of them one of them will be fine because it'll yeah. tie into your question and if not I'll i'll record something i'll record something else myself here Okay, <laughs> No bother. That's all right. Otherwise always be here for hours. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, I'll let you go. I'll have this. Um I'll get you, uh by the way, if you have any photographs like a wide photograph?
1: Yeah, I'd you, you,
0: so for top of a website and maybe a you narrow can, one as yes, well. Um
1: Steve can you take them off your website? Off website. The one the banner image on my home page, you can right-click and open a new tab, yeah. and that's the one that's my headshot. It's wide and you can crop it square. Yeah, excellent.
0: Okay, listen, thank you so much. Um my pleasure. And I'll pro- I ho- I think we will probably encounter each other in Mead anyway, which, with Gary. Um, I look, I'm looking forward to seeing what you get up to down there. Cool. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks, Seth. Thanks, yes. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. If this is your first time to join us, you are most welcome. And please subscribe for future episodes. This show is shared with you to help you succeed. So please share with others to help them succeed too. At Selfmakers, we believe you can all be your own business. We're here to help self-employed people across the globe accelerate their careers and achieve self-made success. Please visit selfmakers.com and follow Selfmakers on social media. Bye for now.